I heard a scream, like a, like a real scared scream. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I get up, I run into the bedroom, and she's standing over next to my nightstand on my side of the bed. And I knew immediately what had happened. She had looked behind my nightstand and come face to face with my. Facts on tracks, but gonna bring some vinyl down from the front to the back with facts on tracks. Showtime. Welcome to Breaking Vinyl. I'm your host, Des, aka Johnny. 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 Fever. And as always, I'm joined by my three co-hosts. First up, the podcaster, coming through in high fidelity, Evil Ed. What's up, people? (laughs) Next, the podcaster, playing the deep cuts. Dangerous Dave. Hey, hey, how you doing? And last but not least, the podcaster with a degree in rock and roll and haircut to kills. Beaconstein. <laughs> I got haircut, you with that haircut, one. Haircut that's killed. Yeah. <laughs> I got you with that. He doesn't have a haircut. Um, okay. As always, the mission of this show is for us to introduce each other and you, the listeners, to albums and bands which you may never have heard before. <laughs> that's coming next week while also discussing the classics and on occasion we will ruthlessly insult each other's musical taste so sit back and enjoy the show so before we get started i would like to um reveal a little something about myself i have started microdosing thc gummies yes yes I have. yes all right yes i have and i have been big enjoying fan, it big fan well my wife is actually i'm like am i doing drugs again she's like no Taking 2.5 milligrams in the early morning, late afternoon, and then 2.5, like around 8 o'clock. And it's just enough to where I am not driving my wife insane. She's like, dude, you can't stop. I can actually live with you now. Right? She's like, you're, you're bearable. So we're going to continue. Takes, on. takes the edge right off. It's just, just enough. It does. I don't feel quite as – I'm not vibrating at all times now. So that's good. <laughs> Okay, um, so tonight we will be discussing Pyromania, the third studio album by Def Leppard, produced by the great John Mutt Lang. We have had a little Mutt on this show before. I'm not sure Mutt was bringing his best to this album, but we'll get into it. It was released on your fucking mind. Oh, okay, okay, we'll see. This was released oh. on January 20th, 1983 by Mercury Records. The album reached the number two spot on the Billboard 200. The band's lineup was as follows. Joe Elliott, lead vocals. Steve Clark, guitars, backing vocals. Phil Collin, guitars, backing vocals. Rick Savage on the limp dick, horrible bass. And, oh, poor, fuck you. and poor Rick Allen playing the cymbals. god dude oh my god okay and and pete willis i guess we could say he played some rhythm guitars uh let's do some band facts i will get us started so before i discovered this fact i discovered this fact this morning over coffee 
after I'd already done my write-up and listened to the album, um, I was thinking through the whole listening of the album. The bass sucks. The drums suck. And the snare drum is so awful, it's almost unlistenable. Terrible. And I hadn't listened to this album in its entirety in years. Years. You know, and we're doing this for a music podcast now, so I'm really listening to it. It's not like just listening to, uh, you know, fucking Rock of Ages on the radio in my car and just kind of letting my memory take over the listen. No, breaking the songs down. It's fucking drum tracks were atrocious. And it's because they're fucking drum machines. There's no drums on this album. There are no drums on this album. And it's fucking, it hurts the album badly badly and rick said why do you say there's no drums because there's no drums it's a drum machine they did this entire album is a drum machine and the drummer only played the cymbals over it (laughs) so where did you find that it's it's fact he didn't play on the album there's no drums mutt lang decided that so they came into the studio with notes and riffs they didn't have an album what's your reference on this because i i i question it no it's true it's true yeah, I, coming from the guy who can barely read, nope. never a, mind use the internet. This is a true fact. Now, what happened was they came in, they did not have an album. So Mutt Lang decided, we're going to write the album as we go. And this is going to make it so we're going to have to continuously change these drum tracks up as we go through the recording process, which they did. So they decided that they were going to go with this new state-of-the-art drum machine, which they did. And uh, this is what they came out with at the end of the day. And the drummer just played cymbals on the album. And it was glaring, I thought. Dave, what do you got on this album? And is my fucking fact legit? Uh, From what I found, your fact is legit. It is legit. Thank you. Um, Selling over 10 million copies in the U.S. It has been certified diamond by the RIAA. Selling 10 million copies in the United States alone. Uh, wow. In 2015, Rolling Stone ranked Pyromania at number 17 among the 50 greatest hair metal albums of all time. It's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, halfway through the recording of the album, the band fired Pete Willis and hired Phil Collin, formerly of the band Girl. Mm. And With also, uh, Phil Lewis from LA Guns, correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. Phil Lewis was the singer of Girl. And uh, if you haven't heard them, definitely check it out because they are awesome. Nice. Um, yes. Phil Collin, not the same guy as Phil Collins in the uh, 80s. It's a different guy, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and last uh, fact, hopefully I'm not stealing this from uh, somebody else, but 80s pop icon Thomas Dolby, famous for She Blinded Me With Science, played keyboards on the album under a fake name. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, Ed, you really didn't notice anything about the drums when you were listening to this? You couldn't tell that these were not legit drums? Nope. Wow, because it was really obvious to me. The snare drum didn't even sound real. I'm like, there's something wrong there. This is not real. Really. like 80s. Were they even the way for they the future? played it, there, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, subtlety on the drums. It's just boom, gee, boom, yeah. boom. And a and, lot of... I don't know, maybe just I've seen them live so many times. Dave, that's a what lot I hear when I hear it. Repetition where you're like, oh my God, this fucking this I've heard this film not this snare fell a hundred times in a row. It's terrible. Oh God. All right, Ed, go ahead. 
All right. So I'm going to give you one fact and then three reviews. Ooh. Uh, the one fact that I kind of liked, and I'm kind of a big fan of this idea. When they recorded the album, they kind of did it backwards where there was a click track and everyone recorded their parts before the drums. There you go. Which I think is cool, but it doesn't mean that you can't play, a live drummer can't play to that. I'm just saying, I think that's pretty brilliant when it comes to, if you want to chop it up and splice it together, it just makes life grand. Right. Um, but now, so <clears throat> here are three reviews that I think just describe this, my opinion of this album perfectly, especially the last one. Uh, Dave Frick of Rolling Stone praised Leopard for putting much needed fire back on radio, producing sophisticated music, more emotionally charged than most of the synthesized disco that passed for modern music over the airwaves. Adding that the band may not be highly original, but they mean what they play and Lang's artful busy mix easily covers up any faults. Two, Sputnik Music staff reviewer thoroughly recommends the album, filled with tight musicianship, infectious melodies, and anthemic choruses to pretty much anyone, no matter their taste in music. And three, which is my favorite, which is actually uh, Joe Elliott. Uh, I remember meeting Phil Lynott, recalls Joe Elliott, we delivered Pyromania, and with us sharing a label with Lizzie, he'd heard it. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, I heard your album. It's the reason I've split the band. I can't compete with that. The crappiest backhanded compliment I've ever had. I wish I had been brave enough to shove him up against the wall and say, well, make a better album then. But I just said, oh, and sc scuttled off. I am such a huge Phil Linnett fan. And yes, it's Linnett, and I know I said line at first. Um, yeah, he, it's just, I can picture that conversation, especially after some of the insight that I got on Phil from, uh, his touring, uh, lighting, uh, designer and, uh, operator, very interesting stories on that guy. But, uh, yeah, totally see that conversation happening. Hmm. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, no, Ed, great album, great album. The big three unbelievable hits. But, I mean, this album feels extremely stiff, and I wonder what it would have felt like. Like, if you listen to the first Def Leppard album, where, you know, where they let the drummer play the drums, it's a lot heavier and a lot better. This one had a weird, like, kind of a, a pop feel to it. And it was, oh, yeah, it was specifically done that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like the first two, um, I can't remember the first one, but what, High and Dry was the second one? You know, and... and you know, those definitely had more of a rock sound to them. I mean, Joe Elliott was even singing in a lower register most of the yes. time. Yes. Whereas Mutt Lang pushed him and said, you know, sing an octave higher. Yeah. You know, and I think that just became the iconic but I, I have of to, the time. I have to wonder, like, what, you know, um, some of these big, big hits, like some of the ones that are their biggest hits of all times, like Rock of Ages, what would that have sounded like if they had had the real crashing live organic drums on it would have been better so that's my only point this kind of goes back to that prince 
Purple Rain thing. I don't like a whole album built with electric drums. Doesn't work. Fee, what do you got? I, I don't. I didn't know that it was, and I was going to ask you guys about that because, you know, I listened more intently to the drum tracks on this when I was when I was listening a couple of times, and I I couldn't tell. I don't I don't know, but um, I mean not to be a dick or anything, but maybe were they preparing for the future? You know, but, oh, uh, shit. you know, no, but, but they stole the poor um, guy's last shot to do a studio album. Right. Right. But uh, yeah. And I was going to talk about the Thomas Dolby thing. And I think you can see some of his influence on this in a couple of tracks on the album for sure. And that, that yeah, not as much for me, but overall this is a great fucking album. So you know that there's yeah. two tracks on this that feel like they could be in a Michael J. Fox fucking eighties rom-com. <laughs> Which yep. is fine. I mean, I like them. I like them a lot, but they just don't belong on the album, which is why I said this album isn't quite as rock solid as I remembered it being. I remembered it being a much heavier um, rock and roll album than it actually is. Yeah, yeah. Let's share a couple of opening thoughts on this. So when this album came out, I was at the tender age of probably like 14, 15, right in that area. And I was living in a complex called Queen Anne's Gate. And there were tennis courts with these giant rocks, like huge rocks that went up like 50 feet. And all the kids that lived there in the complex, all these little fucking insanos, there were some girls, there were some boys, we were all experimenting with weed and cigarettes and teenage sex. And what you would do is you would take these, for the kids listening, we had these ghetto blasters, they were these big radios with two speakers and a cassette deck in the middle. And we would take it up onto the rocks and, you know, we would drink whatever we could get our hands on and smoke Marlboro Reds. The girls would smoke Marlboro Lights because that's how we did it back then. And uh, we would have teenage sex in sleeping bags. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And this was the album that we would play over and over and over and over and over. So, yeah, this one has a uh, place in my heart. I love it. Um, Dave, we got well, I have heard the album before many times. Uh, when I was just getting into rock and metal, this album was all over MTV. Uh, also, my older cousin, who I talked about before, uh, he was already a Def Leppard fan. Uh, somehow I got my hands on the cassette and listened to it on my Walkman quite a lot. Uh, this was one of the early Walkmans, not, not the cool, slim ones that was barely <laughs> the size of a cassette. No, this one was the size of a paperback book. And would burn through four double A's in about three hours. So, yeah. Uh, especially, you know, I used to deliver newspapers when I was, you know, 11 or something like that. I'd be walking around with this giant Walkman strapped to my side, you know, listening to Def Leppard Pyromania. And I had to hide the tape when I went home because of metal controversy and overprotective parents. Uh, it was great. Oh, uh, of course. As the years went on, I've grown to appreciate the technical complexity of the album as well as the kick-ass songs. The only thing I take away from that, Dave, is that your parents loved you, and I'm jealous. Ed, what do you Aww. got? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I wasn't quite as old as Desi. In fact, I'm going to say I was born. No. Um I was still preteen uh, when this came out, but I do remember being that preteen playing basketball with this absolutely cranked on the boombox and just oh my god, yeah, it was so good. It was like nothing I had ever heard before because I grew up 
you know, with all my dad's music, which was, you know, the Stones, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Grand Funk Railroad, all those bands. And then I heard this and I ran home, played it for my dad. And my dad's like, Pah, that's nothing. <laughs> it, it totally just deflated any idea that I had of good music. <laughs> but it this this album wound up becoming one of my all-time favorite albums. It's so good. I love it. Yeah. I mean, when this came out, it was released in 83. I think we all got our hands on it in, you know, the summer of 84, 14. That was the year I lost my cherry. So, yeah, this was the year. 14. Big year. Big year however, for the kid. However, I, I take insult to smoking Marlboro Lights as the girl smoked Marlboro Lights because I liked Marlboro Lights. Well, no, but that's just yeah. Marlboro Reds. But that's just how it was. Like in junior high, all the girls had the silver and white pack and all the boys had the red pack. And that's just how oh. we did it. <laughs> um, Fee, what do you got? Let's add some more sexism in the show. I love Let's it. Let's do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. Those fucking gay, um, silver, light cigarettes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I love it. I'm with Ed on that one. I liked Marlboro Lights at the time, I believe. You, you would. Know? Well, I mean, not when I was 11. but You would have you know. got beat up on the rocks. If you were a dude and you pulled out the silver pack, that's it. You're getting beat up. Like yes. Matt Dillon over the edge style. Because Queen, <laughs> Queen okay. Anne's Gate was like a fucking future prison show, you know? And I, like, Jesus, yeah, it really was. We, we, yeah. and I have been to Queen Anne's Gate several times. <clears throat> oh, yeah. post Desi, dude, that yeah. place was the best. It came with chicks that wanted to fuck around. Like for a fourteen-year-old child, I moved there. My mother was like, "All right, go explore." I was like, "Ooh, I found one girl. I found another girl. I found a couple other Daryl and dudes." It might as well have been the projects, Des. Of course, really... girls wanted to fool around. It was the best, <laughs> man. If you had a sleeping bag, you were good to go. Sorry, feet. I digress. No. Go. You're, you're good. No, I don't have much on this. And honestly, I don't really remember that this, you know, this album that that vividly from from being a teenager or anything. I just I knew I liked it. And it was always like when you'd hear it on WBCN or something like that. And you'd be like, fuck, yeah, these guys are awesome. Or, you know, uh was it ZLX, HJY, like all the local radio stations that would play, you know, tunes like that. It was great. Um, no, my main thing takeaway from them came very recently was they had a residency out here in Vegas. And um, every April, one of the, uh, <clears throat> one of the ticket agencies sells $20 tickets. And I got a $20 ticket to see these guys. And they were great seats. I was like 25, 30 rows up from the stage. And I went by myself. And I absolutely ruined it for the guy next to me. Oh, no. <laughs> absolutely fucking destroyed it. <laughs> S- screaming all night, jumping up and down like a fucking schoolgirl. Having fun? <laughs> Having a blast. And like literally like jumping into this guy, bumping in there. I thought he was going to beat the shit out of me. I'm like having the best time of my life. And I wrecked that guy's night. And I did it all for 20 bucks plus drinks. It was awesome. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, but you, so yeah. you were acting the way you should act at a concert. Yeah. Yes. And that yeah, guy was pissed. It drives me nuts when you get it. people going, sit down, sit down. It's like, it's yeah. a concert. I want to get up. I want to jump around. I want to have a good time. It's yeah. music. Yeah. Live. Exactly. Like and Ed, as you know, you, they play hit after fucking hit after fucking hit. And you're just Non-stop. like, oh my God, I didn't think this could get any better. And, and it they does. still sound amazing. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you did a side-by-side of Phil Collin and Phil Collins, <laughs> you would know they are very different people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, both ultimately went bald yes both ultimately went bald one was a drummer and one is a guitar player 
<laughs> yeah, Ed, you know what it's like when you're in a band, you're on stage, and it's like those groups of people that stand there with their arms crossed and refuse to oh. like, I'm too cool to be here, but I'll watch. Like, Yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> and they're whispering about your band to the other guy. Yeah, the guy oh, yeah. next to him, like, oh, if I was yeah. up there, you know I'd be yeah. playing better. Yeah. Like, These guys, yeah. yeah, that was terrible. That was terrible. I've never <laughs> played a show in my life. Um, all right, so it is time to do the Fast Five. I will give you guys two choices. We can either do famous couples in music history, pick one, or we can do, congratulations, you're a doctor. Pick your practice. I can tell you that the uh, rock and roll, the rock and roll couples is going to be a lot safer. <laughs> we'll go with couples. I'll save the other one. Okay. Uh, whose wife was crazier? Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love or Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears? Dave, who had the crazier uh, wife? Uh, Kurt Cobain because she may be a murderer. Okay. <laughs> and who had the crazier wife? I'm with Dave, Kirk Cobain. And Fee. Yeah, same. But I, I'll, I'll tell you now, Britney's given her a run for her money for sure. Yeah. I think I got to go Britney Spears, but I've never seen fucking Courtney Love like shaving her head and putting on like fucking, I don't even know. She's nuts. Yeah. Um, okay. Number two, which husband was a bigger asshole? Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson or Axl Rose and Aaron Everly? Dave, what do you got? Oof. Um, Tommy Lee, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> both so. both uh, not not quality uh, husband material no. from what I hear. <laughs> both smoking the red pack. Ed, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know either one personally. Uh, and just so I'm basing this off the person that I would least likely enjoy hanging out with and would probably want to punch in the face, and that would be Axl Rose. Okay. <clears throat> and feet. Yeah, I'm with Ed on this one, and for the exact same reasons, like, I, I think I'd want to just knock Axl's fucking teeth in if I ever, you know, like, he just drives me nuts. Yeah, I got to agree with both of you. I mean, at least Tommy Lee probably made Pam Anderson laugh a little between beatings, so I'm going to oh, go Jesus. with Axl. He's the bigger asshole for sure. Okay, who is the hotter rock video couple? David Coverdale and Tawny Katane, or Janie Lane and Bobby Brown? Who brought it hotter? Dave. Uh, White Snake. Okay, Ed. Yeah, definitely yes. Tawny Katane. And uh, she should have made that crazy list, too. She has a list of husbands that all left her because she's crazy. So, yeah, definitely White Snake. And Fee. Yeah, White Snake, 100%. It is White Snake all day, even though Janie Lane was a little hotter than fucking David Coverdale. But I think Janie smoked the the silver pack and David smoked the red pack. So Dave's a little cooler. We'll go with White Snake. (laughs) (laughs) And who had the more annoying wife? Sid and Nancy or John and Yoko? Ed. I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, John and Yoko, because Nancy never tried to sing, as far as I know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and she was blowing guys to get fucking Sid ahead. She was a good egg. Ed, what do you got? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and she got him hooked on heroin, so. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah quality. Yeah. yeah, that was a train wreck, but it's it's an equal train wreck. Uh, definitely Yoko. Oh, my God. Yeah, 100%. And Fee. Yeah, Yoko for sure. Yep. 
And Yoko all day long. And, and, right, right. And have you ever shot heroin in your fucking head of your penis? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know plenty of people who have uh, tried and been on heroin. You know, we make fun of everything inappropriate here. So if you don't like it, <clears throat> you know where the stop button is. Just call us South Park. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Okay, let's get into the track breakdown. Track number one, rock, rock, till you drop. So with this one, guys, this is this is my first listen to this album in a long time. And like I said, I was expecting something a little harder than I got. So I wish this one had kicked off right into the song without this soft intro, because I didn't remember this song having this intro. And I was like, I mean, it's okay, but this song kicks ass. So I wish they just busted right in. And I didn't love the soft vocal section after the guitar solo, just kind of didn't match the song along with the intro. I felt like this, this soft vocal section in the intro would have made a great song off a album in the future when they became a pussy pop band. So I thought it kind of watered this great rock and roll tune down a little bit, but I do love the song. It's classic Def Leppard. Dave, what do you got? Yeah, kind of the same. Uh, perfect opening song. You get some rocking guitar and drums as well as a little synth mixed in. Uh, the song actually came from an idea they played several years earlier under the title Medicine Man. Uh, Phil Collins solo and super cool riff. Uh, the song was released as a single with music video in Mexico. Nice. Medicine Man, an amazing track by a band called The Dogs the More, which we all loved. <laughs> yeah. Ed, what do you got on this one? <laughs> oh, you made me just want to go take a shit mentioning that. Yeah. It's uh, a great first song. First off, you guys need to learn to embrace pop. There's nothing wrong with pop. I like pop. Really? Because you just shit all over it. I don't like pop on Pyromania, but I like pop. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's something to be said about finding the groove. You know, and, and I think right off the bat, this song grabs you and gets you right into that groove. The album's fantastic. This sets it and starts it right off the bat where it's pulling you in. And I love the intro to that. I think it's fantastic. You would. Uh, of course I would, because I like more poppy rock. Um, yeah. But I also like dirty rock, just not terrible rock like you. I'm not <clears throat> sure you do like dirty rock. I think that's a lie. All right. Next album I'll pick is a dirty rock album. I'm sure. Yeah, my version of Dirty Rock. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, it'll be like fucking Cherry Pie by fucking Warren. This is some squeezy L.A. rock. Bad boy. Uh, all right, to get back to uh, Rock Rock Till You Drop, a huge <laughs> mid-tempo groove that gets your head moving, and it just, just as you're thinking the song isn't going to, like, where is it going? It transitions into that great riff, and I, I do. I just love that riff. The lyrics, the melody, the verse, set up, this anthem chorus so perfectly because that's what it is. It's, it's, it's anthem rock. And I fucking love it. Uh, the twin guitar of Phil Collins, Steve Clark. I think they match wonderfully, even though I know Pete was on all the backing tracks. Um, you know, it's kind of cool to know that my kind of just said, Phil, it's playtime, just solo. That's all we want you to do. Play a solo over everything. And it works. I think great. And Def Leppard vocal harmonies are always flawless, and they're always 
huge. Yes. Like, great, great harmonies. Dave, let me ask you a question. So did Collins play all the solos on this, or did the other guy play a, a couple? I am not 100% positive. I think they brought Phil in for pretty much all the solos. I, I know uh, Pete Willis didn't play any. Uh, I'm not sure if they had Steve Clark play some or not. Because I did notice on a couple of the songs, specifically a couple where there were the dual guitar playing solos, that there was this one lick that showed his ugly face like three or four times on the album, maybe two or three times on the album. And it was like that Mick Mars record goes, bleh, 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 bleh. and I was like, no, <laughs> that can't be Phil Collins. He's way too good to play that lick. And it felt like a guy who had a very shallow bag. They, they were like, you're going to get your shot here. Go ahead, play a solo. And he would play that fucking lick. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I do, I do think Steve Clark had little bits here and there, but it's mostly Phil. Yeah, I, it, it, it was glad. At least that's what I read. That's what I felt. I felt it, it was bad in just a couple of spots. I was like, oh, there's that shitty lick again. Phil would never play that. <laughs> Fee, go ahead. <laughs> you guys got a way better ear than I'll ever have because I never, I don't know. I just, this is the big anthem like Ed was saying, you know, and I love those kind of rock anthems, which is why I like bands like Kiss, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this was just huge. And I was, I, I guess the one take I kind of got from it is like, I heard this song so much everywhere that I was surprised it wasn't a release, you know, like only a release in Mexico and that, that kind of blew my mind, but this is a total playlist. Perfect 10. Great, great song. It is. It's fucking great. I mean, even with those two little fucking wussy parts, it's still a hundred watt song. Kids ass. <laughs> There's no wussy parts in here. Des it none. Uh, part two, <laughs> track two, part two photograph. So I love everything about this song. It has great lyrics. Great vocals, perfect arrangement, topped off with, st- dude, uber catchy chorus. Um, I love the breaks with the guitar solo lick where it will stop the music and he'll give you that fucking just a lick. Oh, it's so fucking good. Um, and of course, I love this guitar solo. I mean, when this guy fucking uncorks it, it's really nice. The guy can play. I can play. Do you ever see the episode of Pawn Stars where the girl brings in the uh, custom guitar, the Def Leppard custom guitar that uh, Phil Collins had painted himself? He had painted like a run of like 50 of them and signed them like in uh, at the Charvel factory. I think it was a Charvel. And uh, she brings it in and Rick says, you know, oh, I got someone that can authenticate this and <laughs> walks in fucking Phil Collins. He's like, oh, yeah, I painted this one. This is like one of the you know, the first three. <laughs> and yeah, and I think, uh, I think she got like 10,000 bucks for it. So pretty good. She got it for That's a wedding cool. present. Yeah. She got it for a wedding. <laughs> I present. got someone who could authenticate it. And literally yeah. it's the guy who painted it. <laughs> it was so good. so good. And he played it and he played it and then he signed oh. it again. So yeah, Rick bought it for 10 grand and she was super psyched. Um, Dave, is it your time? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he's got a, uh, it's, Maybe not be Charvel. I think it's Jackson. He's got a Jackson uh, run of of uh, signature guitar models of yeah, you know more more recently uh, that he plays. I think exclusive exclusively. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, photograph uh, good video. This was the first single released from the album. Uh, another great riff and cowbell. Huge sounding vocals, killer solo. I love this solo. Um, and then we we kind of talked about this before about the uh 
guitars and bass parts being recorded to a click track uh, with your you know uh, keyboard synth drums and the uh, real cymbals being added on top last so that they could sort of cut the songs up and arrange them how they wanted and make it a little cleaner rather than having to re-record stuff but uh yeah i mean they they were trying to put in some pop to their you know metal sound and and if they didn't do it this way it might have just sounded like every other metal band yeah i mean if i hadn't well i mean back then they were very i mean this was like one of the the first hair metal bands you know these got this guy's docking. I mean, these are the yeah. bands that were late seventies coming into the very early eighties that were going to make it different than ACDC and make it different than the, you know, the seventies rock, not traditional hair metal bands. Like this is your first, like, here we go. Hair metal, lipstick, hairspray. Here's my dick and a fucking British flag. You know, <laughs> this is where we're getting it. Ed, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, Dave, if we were in person, I'd hug you right now. I think you... Uh, that would be weird. You said that perfectly. Um, so who hasn't heard this song? It was one of the biggest songs on the planet, and it deserves to be. Um, I mean, God, I've played this in so many bands, and it is super fun to play. Uh, you know, the bass line's not difficult, but it is just... It's this, I think... This baseline is one of those songs where, nope, just rock that E because it is so fat and huge. Dude, when it kicks in, it just, I love it. Just it, rock that baseline because you can't play bass. Just go ahead and ride that E. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good. It fits it perfectly. Um, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I love it. I love it. Uh, the pre-chorus is huge. Change from the verse with the heavy keyboards. Uh, the distract your ears in a good way. Then the chorus comes in with the smooth guitar picking, the hypnotic melody and harmonies. This is my idea of a perfect song. Uh, all the music is full. It's clean. No one's stepping on top of anyone. The lyrics are phenomenal. The melody flows so well. Yeah. And the singing, the harmonies, it's just, it's the signature of the band. It's good. It's great. It's a great song. But I can't believe that you won't get on board with the fact that fucking Rick Savage's bass line was just gross. So <laughs> basic. And the sound is so bad. I, I love it. He I doesn't play any runs. It's fine. Sometimes you don't have to. And on the whole it's, album. It's about... No, he does. He does. I bring it up, actually, in one of the okay. songs. So we'll I can't talk wait. Because I didn't hear it. Fee, tell us why you How? love this song. Oh, everybody loves the song. If you they don't, do. I'll kick in the they dick. Um, power pop at its finest right here. And be patient with me for a second. Okay. My kids are big Taylor Swift fans. And they're not big metal fans. Like the only time they ever hear it is in my truck when I'm driving around with them. You know, and they and they get mildly annoyed. You know, like, like oh, dude, I love this song. You girls like this song? And they're like, no. And so <clears throat> to get them into, try to get them kind of to cross over. Uh Taylor Swift played with Def Leppard, the show uh, Crossroads, right? And uh, this was I one sorry. of the songs they played. Yeah, it was Def really Leopard good. Is so you know, gay now they play with Taylor Swift again. It was, and she was she was young. She was a teenager at the time. It was when she was um, country. It's Crossroads yeah. is a country show that uh, they cross country artists with rock artists or other artists, and right. they kind of do each other's music and kind of do original versions of them. It's pretty cool. Cool so show. So this yeah. was this was before she was an NFL star. 
before she was yes. the yes. Correct. backup yes. tight end yeah. of the Chiefs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fuck no her. tight end there. No. Um, but um, <laughs> anyway, um, the tight end for the tight end of the Chiefs. So, uh, so no, it, it was just. It, it was a good thing, but Taylor Swift chose them to play with because she grew up listening to Def Leppard. Her parents are huge Def Leppard fans, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool when I, you know, when I watched it and I made made my kids watch it. So it was good. They're still do not Def Leppard fans, smoke, unfortunately. Um, do your daughter smoke Marlboro Light or Marlboro Red? And neither. <laughs> they don't smoke. <laughs> no, good, good, God, no. Good, good parenting fee. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Fact number three. <laughs> Stage fright. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. It's an honest question. I don't know. I don't uh, have kids. I mean, if I had no a daughter. No smokes these days. I mean, it's such a rarity now. <laughs> fucking Dave smokes. He told me he had a cigarette and a fucking Mountain Dew for breakfast. Yeah. Right. One out of Ki- the four of us. The, ki- the kids don't smoke. They vape. Come on. Uh, that's true. Yeah, it's jewel true. pods. Yeah. Dude, right. I went into the fucking, into the fucking, uh, the weed store, I guess is what the kids call it today. I couldn't believe it, man. I quit smoking pot, you know, 10 years ago. I walked in. I'm like, holy shit. It was like 7-Eleven, but weed. Yeah. Wow. It was awesome. I was like, Candy I was like, all right, listen, I need to talk to somebody. I haven't had THC in my system in 10 years. I don't want to freak out or have a fucking heart attack or forget how to breathe. I just want to take a gummy <laughs> to relax. My wife's like, chill out, dude. Oh, my God. You're so wound up. I oh love it. Oh, God. I went nuts. I haven't taken one today. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, stage Fright, track number three. I have mixed feelings on this song. This one felt dated to me in a bad way. I didn't care for the guitar lick and the fucking riff and the verse. It was so docking. It was so blah. Um, but it had that 80s pop chorus that I enjoyed. I just wish I was enjoying it in a different song on a different album. Uh, ripping guitar solo, really good. But when you compare this to songs like Too Late for Love that's coming up, it is literally a piece of shit. Dave, what do you got? <laughs> well, we got the old uh, make it sound like a live concert recording trick uh, oh, so to bad. start start things off. Uh, Joe Elliott's vocal is savage here. He's screaming pretty good. I I like him singing like that uh the guitar solo sounds a little flash dancey however it does. It uh just does. just the way they get into that music uh, i don't know flash dance or fame or i can't remember exactly what i'm thinking of but it, it sounds something like that um yeah they could have went a little tougher with the solo section uh, fortunately they get back to rocking for the rest of the song and more great vocal screaming uh, according to Lure, uh, Mutt Lang became a sixth member of the band for the songwriting and arranging on this album. Interesting. Dave, it feels like this song could have been on that fucking Top Gun album, right? That compilation album? No, sure. <laughs> but that's what it felt like to me. This one felt like when they were like told Cheap Trick. Perfectly. <laughs> yeah. They were like, hey, Cheap Trick, write us something like really gay. And they're like, oh, we can do that. And they fucking wrote fucking that song for fucking oh my God. Top Gun album. <laughs> what's wrong uh, with you man Ed, oh, dude i can't wait to flip this album i got a story for the ages ed go ahead oh, oh jesus <laughs> all right stay right uh i you know what i hadn't heard the song god forever and i think it held up in the fact that it was 19 recorded in 1983 
in the fact that the simulated live opening to the song is so smooth, I think it's on. It was ahead of its time for that time period because I remember some really bad simulated live performances on recordings back then. Um, but I think it's got strong guitars, drums, and bass. They're all a bit dirty and don't sound at the same level as Photograph. And something about it works. It keeps me interested. Uh, you know, the song is more of a definite pop 80 sound mix. Uh, but they threw the Def Leppard rock sound and vocals on it. It's a bit immature. And I think that's what I like about it. It almost <laughs> seems like it was for a previous album. Uh, in my opinion. Um, I find myself needing to sing the chorus by the end of it, though. I think it's got a great hook. I just, I took the bait and I just kept singing. I listened to the song like three times in a row afterwards. <laughs> mm. I listened to it once and said, I think I ever want to hear this again. V, what do you got? That's disappointing, Des. I, I really enjoyed this song too, like Ed. You know, I thought it was fucking great. And I, my only real note on this was, well, two things. One, I found it strange that they had like two really good album or or concert opener songs on this album with uh, Rock Rock Till You Drop and Stage Fright. You know, I, I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. Like, why didn't they open with this? Maybe they should have. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. But um, either way, I thought that was kind of odd. But the other odd part is like that solo was ripping. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I was I was just kind of in awe all week when I read that Phil Collins just came in kind of after and he said, just have fun. Just play the, play these solos. And he fucking killed it. Absolutely yeah. killed it. Is that like in the recording process? Is that unique? Is that unheard of? Is that like, is that what's different about that? You know, nah, play guitar solo whenever you want. Right, Dave? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, I don't. Yeah. It's, yeah it's... You usually have a spot, you know, open up for the guitar solo. And then, you know, if you want to bring in somebody else you know oh eric clapton's in town you know maybe he can drop by and and lay something down on on this song and you know here you go you got you know bar eight to bar 15 go for it yeah yeah you really just yeah you need to just know what key it is and what's funny and just to go off that recording just someone coming in and showing up uh friends of mine who are recording i think the third or fourth album now uh it's so funny because they're at the point where they write the rough tracks and they hire everyone to come in and record it other than the vocals. The guitar player, who's a fantastic guitar player, is like, yeah, you know what? I just, he's like, I find when I record something, I'm more critical than if I give someone an idea, say it needs to sound like this, but add a little bit of your own to it. And he's like, I'm not as critical. So he actually prefers other people to record the final tracks on the album. What? So your yeah. friend's band is a cover band? No. They write <laughs> the songs. They record the tracks. But for the final tracks, they they hire professional. Like, you know, like it's one of those, hey, Steve Lukather showed up, you know, mm. type thing. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. That's odd. What? It's strange. I find, that, oh my. I find that strange. If I had a band, I would want my band to record the album. <laughs> Well, you need to read more books, Des. That is like the thing. I mean, is that the thing now? That's that no, the kids a, are doing. It's always been a thing. Okay, okay. <laughs> We've literally discussed this on how uh, people haven't played their own instruments on true 
albums. True. True. Interesting. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Um, where are we? Did everybody talk about this song? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, Fee, awesome solo. I agree with you, though. Greasy guitars. Yeah. Really good. Play, Fill it playlist track. Yeah. yeah. I like Fill it. Fill it best. Uh, track four Too Late for Love. So when I hear this track, it makes me think how close this band was to writing classic rock and roll songs like Have a Drink on Me by ACDC. It's close because it has these iconic legendary guitar riffs. It has these great vocals that you just you hear them once, you know them all. But it has this tiny stink of hair metal on it, which is fine. It's fine because that's what they were doing. They were they were pioneering a new genre of music and I get it and that's great. So I give them props for that, but it holds it back from that level of have a drink on me songwriting. Um, but it's awesome. It shows what this band is capable of. This song shows what this band is capable of. Um, my only knock would be the bass is fucking anemic on this song. And the drums just don't sound good. But I mean, I didn't notice it until now. So it's fine. I mean, they definitely slipped these bogus drums under the radar if you're not looking for it. Right? So, Dave, what do you got? Well, we got a cool vibe to the beginning of the song. It's kind of spooky. Uh, and then gigantic vocals come in. Uh, this would become, you know, Def Leppard's trademark. I would argue they went too far after this album and overdid it with the giant vocals and the the sampled drums and the keyboards. Um, I, I think th this is the last Def Leppard album that I like uh, after this, just not for me. Um, it's kind of odd. The tom drums are mixed very loud on this track. You'll you'll hear the drums playing, and then all of a sudden, there's just <laughs> this really loud tom hit. And, uh, you know, you may not notice it at first, but if you go back and check it out, uh, you'll hear it. This was the fourth single released from the album, uh, and I had no idea there was a video made for this song, but apparently there was. I looked it up on YouTube. Uh, never saw it back in the 80s, but it's just, just them playing on stage. Dave, so it's funny. You beat me to the punch just by one song. So first of all, this is the only Def Leppard album I will listen to. I fucking hate all other Def Leppard. Pour some sugar on me. He's talking about how sweet and sticky his feet are. It's Two gross. Two steps behind. Yeah, it's just gross. Like his feet aren't sticky or sweet. If you saw <laughs> this guy with his shoes off, you'd run. Um, but you, but you, you beat me to the punch on this. I wrote for the next song, Die Hard, The Hunter. By this time in the album... The way overuse of the 80s hair metal gang vocals is starting to kill the experience for me. It's, it sucks. Ed, what do you got? I think you suck, Des. Okay. I think uh, you hear things for the wrong reasons. Nope. Yep. Coming from the man who doesn't leave his house or experience life in any way. Outside out, the four walls. I went out to dinner last night. Went to the casino. Actually, and you went to the pot store. So I guess I guess I, I'm stand, I stand correct. Yes. <laughs> Very busy schedule. Yeah. <laughs> then went home and microdosed. Yes. <laughs> uh, I do love you, Deso. I do Thank love you. you. Uh, yeah. Song opens with that 80s idea. And, and so many bands did it. And it's kind of, I didn't love it. 
Uh, but that whole dystopian apocalypse fucking world's fucking falling to shit with the simulate electronic or computer sounds makes you think that Terminator robots are going to take over the world. It sets a mood, but then I like when the wind comes and in the single guitar, it, it just, it sets that loneliness, uh, which I do enjoy. Uh, I can feel the heartbreak with that chorus opening. Um, and then the huge gang vocal harmonies. I just, uh, see, I don't get tired of it. I love it. And the only reason, normally I, I see your point of getting tired with it, but it's Def Leppard. It's their identity. No other band does it the way Def Leppard does. And that's why it doesn't bother me because no one else does it that way. Um, and it's kind of, you know, that's how you know it's a Def Leppard tune. You're like, oh, I know these yeah. vocals. The gang vocal. Yeah, but it's it's got harmonies interlaced with it that just the layers upon layers of vocals are huge. Um, but this song, I mean, it sounds like a ballad, but it kind of isn't in... It's weird with, you know, because the tempo changes and it slows down. It's like halftime, double time, halftime, double time. Uh, the instruments weave in and out of each other throughout the song, mixed with the haunting vocals. I think it's an underrated song. Uh, it was success. Uh, it was successful, but listening to it now, I think it should have been so much more than what it was at the time. Hmm. Uh, again, listening to it now, you can't compare it to what's available and how things are done now. For 83, I think just this this whole album, all these songs were new technology, groundbreaking ways to do things. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I think that some of that, the reason I was bagging on Mutt Lang in the beginning was I think some of the choices that were made before this album got started are what holds it back a little bit. You know, I think they just made some bad choices. I think right off the bat, cutting the drummer off the album was a bad choice. I think overdoing. I, I don't disagree. I over, learned something. Thank you. Yeah, overdoing these gang vocals. It was a bad choice. I mean, it was great in spots. They use it in spots. It's great. And then you take it out in spots. You keep this album from being 100% stamped in 80s hair metal. They could have made this a little bit more classic of an album that would have been a little more timeless, if you will. B, go ahead. Dang. I I, I don't know that I like those comments, Des. Um, <laughs> but I love this song. I I'm with you, Ed. I think it is a little underrated for you know for what they do, and you know I kind of wished that the the power ballad stayed more in this kind of way than than some of the like sappier later you know uh, stuff that came out like uh, White Snake is this love you know like all of that stuff and. Uh, like to be with you by Mr. Big, you know, all of those <sighs> things like where it just got kind of cheesy and sappy and stuff. And don't get me wrong. I love those songs at the time, but now looking back, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? You know, <sighs> this is more of a, a, a like power ballad style that I like right here. The song's a playlist. I love it. Girl, that Mr. Big song is such a piece of shit. <laughs> I can control myself. Oh my God. It's, it's like you're constipated, Des. <laughs> oh, pushing out a big turd yeah. it is and it's mr biggs i want to be with you oh <laughs> you're out of your mind i can't <laughs> wait to see their final tour oh, they haven't done their final tour yet <laughs> technically yes but that was because the drummer died of cancer but they're doing one more so 
Okay, track number five, Die Hard the Hunter. So we already know what I think about this one. By this time, the use of the over-the-top gang vocals are starting to hurt the experience for me. I now don't want to hear this formula anymore. Tasted good a few times, but now it's just too sweet for me. Um, the song's just okay. And we get this super long guitar solo. It was so underwhelming. If you're going to go like 19 bars on the guitar solo, Fucking play something with some substance. Go somewhere. <laughs> Dave, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, starts out with some synth sound effects and heavily layered and processed guitar. Uh, our lyrics are sort of a common for the time anti-war theme. Uh, the verse riff is a little generic, uh, but but not terrible. Uh, <laughs> chorus has some cool drum accents. I'll say that. Um, but then, yeah, the middle section gets a little sleepy until the uh, melodic riff just before the chorus comes back in. They could have expanded on that a little bit. I feel like that would have uh, been been a little sweeter. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Dave. I hated this song as well. Ed, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate oh it. Oh, my God. Oh, you're out of your mind. You're <laughs> out of your mind. Uh Another The World Is Ending opening to the song, which could have done without. Uh, but I do love it. I love the vocals in the intro. I think they convey a great opening for what's about to come. Then they hit you over the head with these amazing guitar tracks. I absolutely love the guitar on this. Uh, something oh. about the tone and the chord structure literally gets me excited. Like there's one specific chord that I'm like, ah, oh, it just sticks out and hits all the right nerves in my ears that I just, I literally get excited. Uh, the verse is a strong, constant groove. Then you have that pre-chorus that changes it up with this amazing transition that Def Leppard is so good at. Uh, bring in the chorus and I'm sold. It's another great song. My only negative is it's a bit too long. So Ed, what's going on there? Did you dye your hair or something? I have not taken a shower today yet. <laughs> Hair looks very dark today for some reason. Looks good. No, no. Looks good. Looks like you visited uh, like hair club or something. I was about to say the opposite for you. Oh, thank you. Well, no normally, normally I'm like, wow, how does Des hair not have any grays? And I have so many. And looking at it today, I'm like, oh, that's why. No, I I have stopped dyeing my hair black, and I have let it grow out natural. This is my natural color. I am yeah, a silver. I'm a silver fox now. You are. You, you do have great hair, man. I am very jealous of your hair. Dude, we went out to the casino last night. I wore like a sweatsuit with a pair of like uh, checkered red Chuck Taylors. Oh uh, no, uh, checkered red uh, Vans, the slides. Oh, uh, what do you think? You're in the mob. You no, know, my wife is like. Look at you. You're an old man now. You're in a sweatsuit with fucking checkered slides, gray hair, and reading glasses. So the waitress left the table, and I was like, I said to my wife, I go, what do you think she would say if she was talking to the police? And they were like, describe the last people. Like, well, he was an older gentleman with gray hair and readers and a pair of slides. What the fuck? With fucking tattoos on his neck. I don't know. Okay. Um, Fee, do you need to talk about this song? I do. Okay, um, let's hear it. Because, you know, now I'm going to borrow a word that you use a bit here is like, I like the song, but there's some goofy sound effects in this. I, I almost feel like everybody left the studio and then Thomas Dolby came in and like fucking worked it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, and for that, it's just okay because I'm with Ed. Like, it's a little too long. 
but there's something about that guitar sound on this that I really, really like. And uh, I don't know it, if it weren't for those goofy sound sound effects on there, I, it would be a playlist song for me. But it's just okay. Just so, did you guys think that Thomas Dolby looked exactly like Alton Brown, the fucking from the Cooking Channel, or what? <laughs> <laughs> like, they look exactly alike. I thought it was the same dude first yeah. time I saw him. Like, holy shit, it's the guy from Science. <laughs> okay. Uh, track six. Full, uh, that song, Science. Uh, let's just hey, run around this... the table. Great song. Love it. Great song. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I love that did, song. Didn't this end side A? The song? Um, one more. And then we nope. oh, I thought this, I thought this one. Nope. And, it, and I wanted to bring this up because <clears throat> I couldn't find anything that had side B starting with Rock of Ages. Everything oh. I've looked at had fooling. Fooling <laughs> as the first song on side B. But okay. I love that you wrote in the script. I thought this ended side A. I wrote that in there. I wrote that okay. in there. Okay. Uh, okay. Wrote you wrote else. that in there. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Sorry. Taz was confused. Well, this ends... Which he clearly was. No, totally. I'd probably fucking on an edible. So my wife said I'm not <laughs> taking drugs. I just want to clarify that. I'm still sober. I I, I beg to differ. I think the edible... Tomato, tomato, a, right? Complete drug addict again. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's on a matter of how you use it and why. Okay. Well, then I'm doing good. All right. So that it. That ends uh, side A. I think we knocked that one down. I'm going to flip the album over. Anybody like to bring anything to the table about your week or your life? Uh, maybe a dark secret? Ed? Uh, okay. No. Fee? Definitely not. And Dave? No, I got to keep that shit under wraps. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm about to give you guys a story. So. We were out to dinner. <laughs> we were out to dinner, and my wife reminded me of this. We were laughing, and she goes, you know, this is like an us story, right? She's like, this isn't for your podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's for the podcast. So now it's for the podcast. Wow. Yep. So this is you about play with fire. So this is about a year ago. It's only gonna embarrass me, but I'm I don't I'm not embarrassed. As you guys know, there's no one can't embarrass me. So it's about a year ago before I moved upstairs. We still were sharing a bedroom. <laughs> and uh, it was a Saturday, and she was in there cleaning like she does. And I was in the living room watching TV, and I heard a scream, like a, like a real scared scream. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I get up, I run into the bedroom, and she's standing over next to my nightstand on my side of the bed. And I knew immediately what had happened. <sighs> she had looked behind my nightstand and come face to face with my rubber vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. God, no. oh, so i was storing this rubber vagina behind my nightstand so she would find it she was cleaning and she looked over and it was she was staring right into the eye of the rubber vagina so she screamed she thought it was like a body part or something she's like what the fuck is that i go oh that's my rubber vagina that's your backup <laughs> and she was just like you're so designated fucked. hitter but what was nice about that yeah the dh what was nice about that was i was able to take it out from behind the, the and put it in my sock drawer and she just didn't mess with it after that but my question is <clears throat> dave do you now or have you ever owned a rubber vagina i have not <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> ed do you now or have you ever owned a rubber vagina? Uh, I have actually. 
Oh, good for you. Oh. Good for you. I love that. Okay. Not anymore, but yes, I did at I, one point. I don't, I don't have mine anymore because I blew it out and it, it split. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> Impressive. So I had to throw it away. You bought uh, the extra small just so you oh, feel good? God. Yeah, something like that. And Fee, do you or have uh, you ever owned a rubber vagina? That's a no from me, dog. Okay. No fucking way. But I, not that I wouldn't, but, um, I, you know, I was laughing at first because I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you're going to go in there and she's going to have your Oculus on and see what kind of porn you watch. And she's going to be fucking horrified. No, actually. But this uh, is so much better. Yeah. Fun fact. I, I like a nice <clears throat> missionary man on woman porno. Yeah. So you can kind look at the guy's butt from behind. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like man ass. Um, okay, good. Good. So I think we wow. did that. Yeah. Okay. Track six. Fooling. I love this. It's a great song. I like to listen to it when I'm fucking my rubber my rubber vagina with my Oculus on. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, I'm gonna shit my pants. I'm laughing so hard. I can't even fucking talk about the song. So this is as good as it gets. This is a soft ballad, totally rocking chorus. We also, we also get the rare bridge that's better than the chorus. Bridge is better than the chorus. Really cool guitar solo. I loved it. Dave, talk about it. Yeah, this was the third single released from the album. Uh, cool video full of weird 80s neon. It reminded me of uh, Lopan's Lair from Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, it was a good song. Interesting bass line, too. Um, I liked it. Oh, good good reference on uh, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> I actually did that on, um, hey, did you ever see that movie? Good movie. Nice. Satire at its best. Ed. What happened to your rubber vagina? And then tell us about the song. How how was it retired? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, I just decided to get rid of it one day. <laughs> and what did you do? With did it? you just throw it in the trash? Yeah. What do I get? <laughs> just threw it away. You monster! <laughs> what did you have a funeral for yours? Put it in a fucking van shoebox. Had a little fucking buried it in the backyard. So <laughs> grave. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, fooling! Oh shit! Um. Oh dear lord. Uh, the acoustic guitar and vocals in the opening of this song are so fucking amazing. Then you have this smooth as shit bass line that absolutely pulls me in. I want to kiss Rick Savage for that. It's so fucking good. Uh, then the song kicks in with this massive wall of vocals and just the chorus is massive. It's only one word, but I love how it works. And hey, Cowbell again <laughs> cuts through that wall of vocals. Uh, then the transition back to the verse, it's like an orgasm. I'm exhausted from trying to describe what I just listened to. And I'm exhausted after talking about rubber vaginas. <laughs> Dude, I can't stop laughing. You said you just threw it away. 
Get back to you admitted that you fucked a rubber vagina on the podcast. I, I tip my hat to you, sir. I tip my hat to you, sir. Listen, Way it takes a lot real. to embarrass me. It does. It does. I'm, I'm right. not. I'm like you, Des. Takes a lot. Oh, okay. shit. Okay. Uh, I also had a sex doll. I popped it. I tried to patch it a couple of times. <laughs> I've been looking at... So... Flexil. So I've been looking at... Uh, we, well, we talked about... <laughs> That's flex sale. He said flex sale. Ah, track number seven, Rock of Ages. This is what we all came for, boys. This is what we bought the album for. This song, 100% fire. This is the best Def Leppard song of all times, in my opinion. This 100-watt song. This me and my friends we played this song over and over and over. The girls would smoke their light cigarettes and scream out the chorus. And I fucking love this song. Infectious, amazing, Dave. Yeah, huge, huge video. Uh, this might be their most famous video. Uh, did Ibanez ever reward Phil Collin for helping them sell a million Destroyer guitars? Right. <laughs> this is the uh, the black guitar that he plays in all the videos is an Ibanez. It's a version of Gibson's Explorer shape. And at some point, I guess he switched from playing that guitar to going to play Jackson guitars. But anyway, um, it was the second single released from the album. Of course, one of the most classic cowbell songs and a really cool left right guitar bouncing. Um. You know, I don't know if you guys found uh, the uh, talking about the the opening of the song with the uh, it is not actually okay. I'll I'll leave that for you, Fee. You can uh, you can tell people all about that and uh, great song though. Yeah, that was nice of you to leave a little meat on the <laughs> vagina for Fee. Ed, what do you got? Oh, oh. Dear God, uh, yeah. Who hasn't heard that opening? I mean, it's famous. And I want to say, I fucking hate you, Offspring, because every time I hear that, I'm like, yes, I can't. Oh, fuck, it's that song. Yep, yep. Um, but it's fucking huge. Oh, my God. The way it builds and then drops out to a keyboard and drums with that anthem vocal line. Oh, mm, gets me aroused. Oh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall throughout the writing and recording of this song. There are so many little layers to everything in the panning left and right tricks that I honestly never noticed until I listened uh, through quality headphones. Like every, the last time I listened to this through headphones was when you had those little orange foam things over the headphones that had no bass in them at all. <laughs> um, oh my God. I feel like I heard the song for the first time listening through these nice headphones. Uh, the song is iconic. Everyone has to truly listen to this song in detail to appreciate the level of recording and production that's in this song. It's it's something. Wow. So amazing. fucking good. So fucking good. Fee, talk about it. Yeah, this is amazing, obviously. Um, and yeah, Gunter Glieben, Glauten Globen. Like, I think we probably all had discussions on what that was as kids. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is he saying? And, you know, I was, I was a little disappointed to find out that it was just kind of like – German-based nonsense words from Mutt Lang, you know? like how, Is that what you found too, Dave, on this? Yeah, yeah, that was just sort of gibberish they made up. Yeah, yeah, just just gibberish. And uh, I was like, man, I thought it was something totally cool that I was just too lazy to ever look up. And 
I'm like, oh, now I have the opportunity to look this up, and, and I'm I'm disappointed. But um, either way, you can't be disappointed in this song. This fucking song is amazing, absolutely amazing. I always assumed it was just one, two, three, four. Yeah, well, that's that's basically yeah. that that he the Mutt Lang got so sick of just counting it in one, two, three, four that he and, just oh, no. we're gonna make up some. Well, it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. I loved it. I, I still think it sounds cool to this day. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. <clears throat> Coming under fire. So these last three songs, man, not, not a skid, but a, not, I, I would have saved one of the big three for the final three if it was me. Um, so I'm on this one, Coming Under Fire, the bass sucks, both in sound and execution. It is fucking just deflated Uh-oh. sack. Song sucks. Uh, Ed, what do you got? Dave. Dave, what do you got? I know. I heard people talking. Yeah. Uh, rock and riff. Uh, I thought the lyrics were a little pedestrian uh, in this one, but the melody is great. And they had a cool part at the end that I feel like they wasted uh, that they could have you know, because they just threw it in right at the end and never repeated it, they could have incorporated that into the little into the song a little bit more. Yeah, I like the bridge a lot. I thought the bridge was actually stronger than the chorus. I thought it had a really good bridge, but it wasn't enough to carry the whole tune for me. Uh, great opening guitar riff that builds into a nice, smooth sound. Uh, the song is a nice change of pace, I think, to the intensity of what I've listened to. Uh, I love the tempo. And I get like this back to early Def Leppard sound of things. It brings me, it's more high dry sounding to me, this song. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was a really good song. I enjoyed it. Oh, nice. And feet. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good song too. Um, I was surprised one of you guys didn't hit up with the fact that uh, these songs were listed inversely on the, on the original vinyl release, but they played regular you know they played in this order I, th- I thought that was pretty cool like that's kind of a huge mistake you know what i mean but but yeah either way pretty good tune i felt they let uh phil collin had a, had a little fun with this track like i thought his playing was really good on it you know um, okay track number nine action not words so this song felt a little pop for the album um until the chorus which is pretty cool and it has a cool dual guitar solo that i enjoy but this is where I'm hearing that messy McMars riff that I was talking about shows up a couple of times on the album. And uh, I wonder if, if they're the offerings of Pete Willis, maybe, I don't know. I didn't like it. I mean, like the guitar solo lick Dave, what do you got? All right. Well, I like the cool slide guitar in the beginning. That was different for the album, you know, a little, little different flavor in there. Uh, good melody, great chorus. Uh, it's almost like they have a a double hook in this song. They have the little pre-chorus, like the shock me. And then they go to the action, not words part. So you, you sort of get that double double hook. Uh, I, nice uh, multi-layered guitar solo. And then they do the fake out ending. I thought it worked here, you know, going back into the killer chorus. Yeah, cool. Uh, Ed, what do you got on this one? Uh, I'm torn on this song. It has the similar sound that has been throughout the album, yet there's a little bit of a different guitar tone that gives me a brighter feel to the song. Um, I really dig the song, 
but I felt the hook is lacking. Honestly, considering the addicting hooks throughout the album, I feel like it's a nice change. Yet, the more I listen to the song, the more it grew on me. And yeah, it's... I, I, I started off not liking it, but by the end of the song, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I totally dig the song. Nice. Fee, talk about it. Track nine. I'm with... Yeah, I'm with you on that, Ed. I kind of felt the same way the first couple of times I listened to it. I'm like, I don't know about this. And then um, when I did a closer listen, I thought some of the lyrics were maybe a nod to Kiss. I kept looking for that with like Shock Me and talking about like Gods of Thunder and stuff like that, you know. Um, but uh, I didn't I didn't find anything like that anywhere. But either way, by the end, I, I thought this was a playlist song. I, I really liked it. Hmm. Nice. Track 10, Billy's Got a Gun, final track on the album. I did not like this song. I do not like these lyrics. I mean, Billy's Got a Gun, she's on the run. But I mean, it didn't It didn't resonate with me. Um, I thought the guitar solo was boring. It just didn't work. And this one felt like a bad version of Modern Day Cowboy by Tesla. Like, just not a good version of that song. So, eh. uh, Dave, what do you got? But, but it came out a couple years before yes. modern day cowboy it did it did um, so your comparison is inverse well it just reminded me of that song only not as good so yeah. it was like they're ripping them off they just hadn't refined it yeah this was a cool song um i, I like the the lyric there's danger in the air um getting into the middle section has some interesting music uh but the lyrics also in some other spots say uh, danger, such a strange emotion. When did danger become an emotion? <laughs> it's not an emotion. Um, yeah. Song starts to ramble around the four minute mark. Uh, we have a laid back guitar solo. It sounds cool, but uh, it, it's losing my attention here. Uh, but then they bring it home with, you know, the pretty cool main riff. Uh, after that, following the song is a strange drum machine slash synth pattern supposedly created by inputting random numbers into a Lynn drum machine to close out hmm. the album. Cool. I like the uh, drum machine facts there. It's just everything's coming into focus. Mutt Lang's vision of this album. Ed, what do you got? <laughs> oh, does he? Uh, I love this song. First time I heard it, I couldn't believe it wasn't a massive hit. I don't know. The song resonates with me. Uh, the opening is a great almost gallop and then drops to the bass and drums with an accent guitar, which I enjoyed. Uh, the chorus kicks in in a huge way. I mean, it's a wall of music and vocals, and I think it's awesome. Uh, there's a key change for the bridge right before the solo that is a little weird, but uh, <clears throat> it wasn't a deal breaker for me. I think the guitar solo is lackluster. But I think it works for the song. The second guitar solo is definitely better, and I feel it contributes to the telling of the story. In my opinion, I think the song is a little underrated. However, I can do without all the effects in drums that drone on and on and on for no reason whatsoever at the end. It was just pointless. Yeah, but I couldn't I agree did. more. I love the meat of the song. Like I've, I hear this every now and then on the radio, and I get excited because, first off, it's not a hit. And I like when radio stations play deep cuts. So I love it. There you go. Fee, talk about the final cut on this album. Yeah, I think they probably should have made this a nine song album. You know, I would have been happy with that, but I'm not a huge fan of it because it's just some more weird sound effects. And I don't know how 
Mutt Lang let that bullshit happen at the end of the song, like more Thomas Dolby sneaking in the fucking studio, you know, and that's what it sounds like to me. I don't know if any of that's true or not, but that's what it sounds like to me. It's just, just okay. Like the meat of the song, I think like you, like you're saying it is, is good, you know, but, um, but take out the, that weird shit at the end and the goofy sound effects and, and it would be a pretty good song, but just okay. Yeah. All right. So that's it. We have done pyromania, hopefully. And, uh, I think we, I think we knocked it back. It is now time to release the bonus track. <laughs> This week's bonus track was brought to us by one Jack Tripper and his two roommates of the L.A. area. Jack writes, guys, me and my two roommates absolutely love the podcast and we would love to hear you break down Wicked Garden by STP. All right. So STP, one of my favorite bands of all times. And Scott Weiland might be my favorite front man of all times. And I fucking love this song. First off, Eric Kretz is one of the most underrated drummers of all times. But he and Robert DeLeo are killing it here on this song. And again, Dean DeLeo, one of the most underrated guitar players of all times, also killing it here on this track. You couple that with Scott Weiland's killer vocals and dark lyrics, and I'm all in on this for 87.9 watts. This is not even my favorite STP song, but it kicks ass. Dave, what do you got? All right. Let me get that score. There we go. Okay. Uh, oh, boy. Never heard this one before. Uh-huh. If, you, <laughs> if you've had a radio in the last 30 years, you have heard this. Um, Stone Temple Pilots is okay. I, I'm not crazy about them. I like the musicians. Uh, I don't like Scott Weiland, uh, but it's very thick music. Uh, if you listen, the the music moves around much more than you may think if you're just listening casually. Um, but yeah, I noticed some great drumming right at the end. Uh, I'm going to give it a 54. 54? Ouch. Uh, Ed, what do you got? Scott Weiland, oh, guy, sexy, the wow. moves, I'm, the I'm a little surprised yes. by that. Uh, yeah, you know what? I was not a huge grunge fan until Stone Temple Pilots came on the scene. Once I found them, oh man, they're when they're on, they're on. When they're off, I think they're off. But they are my favorite grunge band. Uh, even I consider a rock band because oh, it's just so fucking good. Robert DeLeo and everyone else in this band, I just everything I see is Robert DeLeo song. They just give credit to the bass player um, because they're phenomenal musicians, in my opinion, great songwriters, their ideas and how they make them flow. I just, I love it. I enjoy it so much. Every time I hear this song, I want to flip every table over that's around me. Nice. Uh, this, there's so much energy in Stone Temple Pilots and they express it through the music. I gave this an 85.8. Nice. Yeah. And, and Ed, if you ever see him live, like you watch some live shows, man, he could just pull that shit off. They pulled these albums off. I wish I saw them with, uh, Scott. I did not. I saw them the tour after Scott died and they were fantastic. The guy who was singing for them. Great. I loved 
thought they were phenomenal. Yeah, but even like if you go back and watch YouTube videos of them, oh, I yeah, mean, the videos are great. Yeah, good him God. live. He just something about him. He oozes. Yeah, rock star. Oozes just personality, and yeah. and you just you're addicted to watching him. Like you're yes. like, oh my God, I need to party with this dude, but not the way he parties. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Everything you just said, we're on the same page, which is strange. Feet, go ahead. <laughs> So Jack Tripper was telling me he picked this song because he wasn't sure how you guys would respond to it, you know, and, um, and, and I'm glad that he did. Uh, no, obviously I like this song, uh, you know, cause Jack and I are tight, you know, we're good, yeah. but, uh, <clears throat> you know, just loads of energy, you know, and it just brings a lot of energy, but I felt the song was a little like lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, you know, like it didn't really go a lot of places. Um, so I wanted to rate it higher in the eighties, but for, for that reason, I gave it a 79. There you go. I agree. Fee. Like I said, it's not my favorite stone temple pilot song, but this is off their first album, correct? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they, they were core. still, yeah, they were still refining their, um, their songwriting, but I mean, right out of the gate, these guys just knew how to write and, you know, perform a song. Okay, uh, Dave, will you please take those scores? And, oh, Ed, will you please take those scores? And by this time in the podcast, I just lose focus. Please <laughs> calculate we, them. You, we've done how many and you don't have it memorized? No. No, I don't. <laughs> oh. Oh, all right. Wicked Garden by Stone Temple Pilots is pushing a solid 76.68 watts. It's fair enough. I think it's a little under, but little it's under. close. A little under. Dave. Tell us where that lands it on the Breaking Vinyl Wall of Fame. That will put it at number five, just under Skid Row's Wasted Time and just above Dirty Loops with Rock You. Hmm. Okay. It's kind of a strange list we have going, but I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Let's get to some uh, final thoughts here. So favorite song. My favorite song, obviously, Rock of Ages. I mean, it has to be. Song I would cut, Stage Fright, 100%. Um, I would remove the shitty drum machine, and I would replace it with the fucking drummer, Rick Allen. I think we get a better album <laughs> if we do it like that. Um, Dave, thoughts? Uh, my favorite track is Rock, Rock, Till You Drop, and I would cut Die Hard, The Hunter, um, and as far as replacing, I would cut the bass player and add in Rudy Sarzo. I like that. I like that a lot. I smell something weird going on in my house. I, I suspect Uh-oh. that my cat is down there fucking like burning my house down and fucking knocking powders out. <laughs> like I'm nervous at this point. Um, uh, Ed, talk about smoke rising behind you. We will let you know. <laughs> and talk about it while I quickly run downstairs. And if I'm not back, hand it off to Fee. I have to know. I got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, my favorite track. Uh, this is a tough one. It's between Photograph Rock of Ages, but I got to probably go with Rock of Ages. Just, it's a great tune. Uh, the track I would cut is Action, Not Words. Only because... It, it had this little difference to it and it just didn't have, it lacked the hook that I think all the other songs had. Uh, had. And uh, the person I would replace, <clears throat> I would replace Phil Collin, who I think is great, but believe it or not, because of 
action, not words, has that different, brighter sound. I'd replace him with George Lynch because I like the tone of, I think the tone would be a little bit brighter. Uh, and I think I'd like to hear what he would add to it. <laughs> Tez loves it. George Lynch <laughs> is not the right guitar player for Def Leppard. He doesn't play with enough uh, melody and he's just, he's too much of a shredder for Def Leppard. In my opinion. I don't, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that's what I would like to see what happened. It would be interesting. I'll give you that. Um, the wife is home early using the air fryer. So my gigantic Greek nose did not let me down. Fee, what do you got? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this, Ed, where I jumped around on this a little bit. There are a couple of tracks that could be the favorite, but I, I landed on Photograph. I felt that one gave me the most most energy throughout the week. Uh, got a cut. Billy's got a gun. Uh, I... I kind of did this as a goof at first, but I was going to say, Hey, let's replace Rick Allen with a Lynn drum machine. But they, Oops, they already did that, you know? Um, but um, I, I think, I think I, I, and, and hear me out on this, hear me out on this. I'd okay. like to hear David Coverdale sing some non creepy tunes. And I'd like Ooh. to see what he would do with an album like this. It'd be a much so, tougher with, album. Yeah, I think. All right. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's do a quick final thought, score this thing and get back to living our lives. I've got a gummy waiting for me. Nice. So this is an iconic album. Uh, but when I wasn't listening to the big three hits, it felt a little dated in a bad way. I remember this being a much stronger album. It's a good album with some great songs. But with no real drums on it, it really hurts this thing. And it kept it from getting into the 80s for me, which it should have been. But it just, there were problems. So for me, it's pushing 79.9 watts. It falls just short of being in the 80s. But it definitely has a couple of hundred watt songs on it. It's a great song. Worth a listen all day. Uh, Dave, what do you got? All right. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my camera went out. Okay, um, so yeah, this is not your typical metal album. Uh, they set the standard for all the later 80s glam bands to aim a little higher with their production, melodies, and incorporating some pop elements. Uh, this album was huge. Def Leppard was everywhere and, and wound up being in the same pop conversation as Madonna and Michael Jackson. You know, so, that, so that's an achievement for them. They set out to do it, and they did it. Uh, great album. Definitely worth checking out. My score is 86. Nice. Nice. Uh, Ed, what do you got? All right. Uh, this album absolutely set the bar for everything else after it. Mutt Lang broke the mold with the production on this album. I think he invented a lot of things. I think he tried a lot of things. Uh, in Des, Des and Dave's opinion, didn't work so well. In my opinion, in most of Fee's opinion, I think it worked most of the time. Uh, mix that with the songwriting of Def Leppard, and I think you have a perfect storm for success. Everyone tried to replicate what Def Leppard did on this album, but I don't think anyone came close once this came out. And, you know, kudos for them. They're at the top of the mountain by themselves with what they accomplish on this album. It's uh, pretty close to perfection, in my opinion. 
I gave this a 95.2 watts. That is so bloated. That is so bloated. This is not even remotely a 90s album. Not even close. Okay, again, you are the biggest fucking shitstorm of scores. Shall we go down your scores again? Because you gave some of the worst (laughs) fucking music ever. Monstrous scores. And then you question an iconic album, your words... (laughs) And say that I fucking bloated it. Go fuck off. It's so bloated. Fee, what do you got on this one? <laughs> Obviously, I love this album. Um, and, you know, like Ed was saying, like, really good production stuff on here. And how many albums have we talked about that we we ding scores and said, hey, imagine what, what a real producer could have done. You know, well, here's what a real producer did. And yeah. outside of a couple of speed bumps, this is a great fucking album. I couldn't quite get into the nineties. Um, cause like a, a couple of those sound effects things were just really fucking off for me, like off putting. So I gave it an 89.5. Nice. Uh, so let's see what a real producer would do with this. Hey guys, I have a great idea. Let's take your awesome hard hitting drummer and fucking send him out for subs. And we'll use this fucking Lynn drum machine. <laughs> oh, what a great idea. Let's do it. Let's do it guys. Like what the fuck? are you guys talking about mutt lang single-handedly turned in what could have been a 95 album into a 79 which is where it should be he fucking destroyed no. this album with that shitty drum machine technology wasn't Disagree. there yet 1983 Disagree. it's a 1983 drum machine it sucks it's so, go back and listen to the album again it sucks <laughs> the drums um okay Ed, will you please calculate those scores and tell us how many watts Pyromania is pushing. All right. Pyromania, the monster hit album from Def Leppard, <laughs> is pushing a rock solid, or shall I say, rock, rock till you drop. Oh, God, don't. 87.65 watts. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Because I'll be honest with you. Without the uh, drum machine, if you did have the live drums on it, I would have been right around 85 on this album. So there you go. Uh, Dave, please calculate those scores and tell us where. Well, it's been calculated. I Mm -hmm. really just struggle here. Please just tell us where it lands (laughs) on the fucking breaking vinyl charts. Yes. Def Leppard's Pyromania falls at number six on the charts. Just under... The Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and over Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare. Hmm. Perfect. Okay. You know, we do such a wide range of albums and styles, and it's funny when you see where they land and you try and put your mind around it. But that's fine. Number six, I mean, it's it's a fucking killer album. Killer album. Fine with it being in the top ten. Okay, guys. So I have got next week's pick, and... Like we say in the intro of this show, sometimes we're going to discuss the the classics and sometimes we're going to try and introduce each other to new music. So I went down the rabbit hole. I do this all the time on YouTube looking for new bands, new music, and I found one. I found a band that released an album in 2021. I had never heard of it. I had never heard of the band. I fucking love it. I've been listening to this album now for a few days. It is killer, killer. This is a combination of like the Black Crows and Tesla with their own like modern sound, incredible drums, incredible bass, incredible guitar, incredible vocals. The band's name is Dirty Honey and the album is Dirty Honey. So it's Dirty Honey by Dirty Honey. 
go listen to it. I promise you, if you're listening to this show, you're going to love this album. It's fucking killer. And we are going to be doing The Usual Suspects on Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie this week? So go over and check that out. So, guys, I uh, thank you for joining me once again. Listeners, thank you for coming and wasting an hour and a half with us. But I got to go fuck my rubber vagina. So I'm going to have to let you guys go. (laughs) Until next time, take the music out of the sleeve and let the music breathe. See you later. Later. (laughs) What the fuck, man?